she just wanted to testify to what she's been doing in the laundromat. That's right. We said we can testify anywhere, right? Well, our sister's been testifying in the laundromat. And, man, I can't think of a better place because if you're waiting on your clothes, man, you ain't going nowhere, right? So she's been sharing the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ uh, in the laundromat. And lives are being changed. And I'm just thankful for uh, her faithfulness and for the blessings that God has given to her in her life. And for the blessings that we've received as a result of her being a part of us. Um, just a, a real exciting message for me. Uh, as you know, uh, I've been preaching on the, the whole armor of God, uh, except I got about a three-week interruption. Uh, you know, I had uh, uh, Easter sermon, then I had uh, Mother's Day, and then I had homecoming, and then last week, Philip stole the pulpit. I didn't get to preach at all. Man, so y'all are in for a store of, uh, of message today. Uh, I'm really excited about it as we get back to our series called It's an All-Out War. Last weekend, I was captivated. I was glued to my television as the History Channel paid tribute to all the soldiers killed and to all those who survived the brutality of World War II. One thing that really caught my interest, however, was when in the autumn of 1944, Hitler's armies had been beaten back beyond Germany's borders. The Nazi war machine was in tatters, and the repeated bombing raids of the Allied forces all but assured that Hitler's forces would never rise again. Around the perimeter of Germany's borders, the Allies had spread a very thin line of both soldiers and armament. But they were so scattered, descriptions say, that a man could slip right between the lines without ever even being seen. All across Europe, there was celebration. There were parties. There were dinners. There were speeches that were all rejoicing over Germany's defeat. The war was effectively over. The only problem was somebody forgot to tell Germany. Even as his forces were being driven back further, even as his forces were being shattered, Hitler was devising a plan for one last attack. Underground factories were churning out more ammunition and more tanks and more armament. More of Germany's young and old men were being drafted and trained for war. As Europe was rejoicing, Hitler was scheming. Now, at this point, Hitler's goal was not to defeat the Allies. At this point, his whole goal was to cause as much damage as he could, to kill as many men as he could, so that the Allied forces might come to peace, but on his terms. Hundreds of thousands of men and women died because someone forgot that the enemy still lived. 
Hundreds of thousands of men were killed because somebody forgot that the war was not completely over. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells you and I, the battle, the war is not over. The war is not over. Paul tells us the enemy still lives. The war is not over. So you better not let down your guard. Because this Christian life that you're living, it ain't a playground, it's a battleground. In fact, it's all-out war. So far in this all-out war series, we've learned that Christians face three enemies every day of our lives. We face the enemy of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Bible showed us that faith overcomes the world. The Bible showed us that confession and repentance overcome the enemy of the flesh. But friend, we need some supernatural power. We need a, a supernatural weapon that only comes from the Word of God if we're going to defeat the devil. While Satan is merely a created being, he is also a corrupted angel who knows that he's condemned. Therefore, do not maximize his influence, but don't you minimize it either. The devil is powerful, he is evil, he hates God, and he hates the people who God loves. He's against you, he's your enemy, and he still lives. And he will use every distraction that he can to divert you from, for God's plan for your life. He will use every hindrance possible to prevent you from you having any eternal significance in the kingdom of heaven. He will use every single weapon in his arsenal to try to destroy you. There is no doubt we are in an all-out war. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 10, and let's see a little bit about what Paul says about this war and this enemy that still lives. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on, say put on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Say stand that you may be able to stand against the schemings of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, or bullets, or rifles, or tanks, or soldiers, or other nations. No, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness, of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to be withstanding. Say withstanding. Yeah. Withstanding in the evil day, having done all to stand. Say stand. 
to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Say stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication with all the saints. You said four times, stand. Four times in that short passage, God tells you and I as believers to stand against the enemy. These are urgent, absolutely imperative commands. God's people are to be on guard, and we're to be taking a stand against evil. How are you going to do it? Well, the Bible tells us that we must first analyze our enemy and utilize our weapons if we're going to realize our victory. Analyze, utilize, and realize. But one thing I want you to forget, and if you remember this point in this message, you will have done well. Remember, God has already won the victory. God has already won. There ain't no doubt about the outcome of this war we're in. Just read the back of the book. God wins, amen? There's no doubt about it. There is no question how it ends. But in the meantime, friend, we are to fight the good fight. In the meantime, friend, we are to win personal battles day in and day out by putting on, that is, making use or appropriating the whole armor of God that we already have. Satan was initially defeated when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Satan and his demons had no foggiest idea what was going to happen through the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul wrote to those believers saying, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had Satan and his demons known what was going to happen, Jesus never would have been crucified. Friend, you see, at Mount Calvary, where the cross was, we're learned, we learned that Satan was led into an ambush. He was led into an ambush. Satan had inspired the crowd to do his bidding, but he didn't realize that he was actually accomplishing God's purposes. For three days, the devil rejoiced. Then he finally realized what happened. In another translation, I want to share with you what Paul wrote to the Colossian believers. In Colossians chapter 2, he writes to believers, 
you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature not being cut away yet. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the enemy. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The cross was the initial defeat of Satan. Now, there will also be a final defeat. A final defeat that is yet to come. You see, what people don't realize is, is that Satan has never been to hell. Did you hear that? Satan ain't never been to hell. He don't know what it's like. He doesn't know. But friend, let me tell you this. He's on his way. Amen? Listen to what Revelation chapter 20 says. In verse 10, the Bible says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen? He hadn't gone yet, but he's on his way in that final defeat. He will be on his way. And you know, he won't be in charge down there like all the jokes say. That verse in chapter 20 says that he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. But in between that initial defeat on the cross and that final defeat at the end of the age is the here and now. This place where we are, and we have to be continually defeating Satan day in and day out. Back in World War II, there was D-Day. You've heard of D-Day, right? D-Day was when our allied forces invaded Normandy. And that ended up being the beginning of when the allied forces sealed the doom of Hitler. D-Day was the beginning. But then there was also V-Day. Victory Day. Give me a, give me a V. Come on, y'all. Victory. You've got victory, friend. There's also a Victory Day. But in the meantime, between D-Day and Victory Day, there was also a span of time between the two. About a year, in fact. And in that year, many battles were waged. Likewise with you. That's where we are now, against our real enemy, the devil. Friend, victory is assured, it's guaranteed, but there are a few more battles to face, and our success depends on how well you're dressed. And I don't mean in your Sunday best. I mean how well are you dressed in the whole armor of God. Now, we talked about the first piece of the armor, that belt of truth. And that is the truth of God's word, the truth of God's son, and the truth of God's spirit. And those three truths can protect our heart, it can protect our mind, and it can protect our will. We can be protected. We can overcome every daily attack from Satan, both mentally, morally, and motivationally. We can defeat him. Otherwise, God would not have told you to stand. 
You can defeat him. But today, I want to introduce to you the breastplate of righteousness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, He himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, talking about the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, the breastplate of righteousness is kind of like a vest. It's kind of like a coat of armor, if you will, and it covers us both front and back, from the neck to the waist. It protects us from one of the devil's most fiery darts, and that is guilt. One of the most damaging things in the life of a believer is guilt over past sins. If you were here last week, you heard Brother Philip Eady share that few things will paralyze a Christian like the guilt over past sins. Friends, there is no longer any condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are believers on the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have confessed that sin. God has forgiven that sin. You have forsaken that sin. But guess what Satan tries to do? He tries to dredge it up over and over and over again. He tries to rub it in your face to get you to be paralyzed by that guilt. Now, I am talking about past sins here. Present sins for the believer are a whole other issue. God convicts us of present sins, and we got to deal with them. We deal with present sins by walking in the spirit that we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So present sins are different from past sins. But let me tell you how God views sin. You see, God convicts us in love. Satan accuses you in hatred. God convicts us of present sin. Satan only brings up the past sin. God convicts us using the word of truth. Satan accuses using feelings. God convicts us and draws us to himself. Satan accuses in an effort to pull you away from God. God's conviction leads to wholehearted devotion, while Satan's guilt leads to wholehearted depression. God helps us to look ahead in hope, and all Satan wants to do is make you look back and give up. All he wants to do is get you to throw in the towel, get you to give up. So how do we put on? How do we make use of this breastplate of righteousness that we already have as a believer? Well, at the moment we come to faith in Christ Jesus, the breastplate of righteousness is placed on us. We actually trade garments with Jesus Christ. We trade the list of our sins for his perfect righteousness. 
Our sins were laid on him on the cross. His righteousness was placed on us as a result of the cross. Now, Satan, the accuser, will come and he will try to put your sins back on your account. He'll try to do that, but those sins have already been judged. Those sins have already been justified. You've already been acquitted of those sin charges, just like as if you had never, ever done them. That's what justified means. You are acquitted. So how do I put on this breastplate? Paul said, put it on. How do I put on this breastplate? How do I wear it every day? Friend, it's simple. The way you put it on day in and day out is you trust in the finished work of Jesus. Day in and day out, you just declare, I trust in what you did for me, Lord. I know when you look on me, you're looking on the righteousness of Christ, my Father in heaven. So today, I want to share with you Four good reasons why you need this breastplate. Four reasons why you should make use of the breastplate that every believer has. First of all, you need to know that Satan accuses us. Satan accuses us. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible says that the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. What does that mean, Brother Bill? Well, think of the Christian woman who had an abortion. She looks back on that time in her life, and man, does she regret it. God forgave her because she asked. God chose to forget it because she asked. But the devil says today before God, Hey, look at her sitting in church, acting all holy and all that. We know what she did though, don't we? God says, All right then. Let's check the books. Ah, here she is. All I see is righteousness. All I see is the righteousness of my son. All I see is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Friend, don't let Satan accuse you. Because if you're born again, if you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have come to faith in him, you have this breastplate of righteousness and no one can accuse you. But not only does Satan accuse us, guess who else does? We accuse ourselves. We also accuse ourselves. You see, some Christians have this problem of perpetual introspection. Perpetual introspection. It's self-examination gone wild. What is that? It's self-accusation to the extreme. 
And friend, I got to tell you, that is so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy because Satan wants to deceive you so that you might put yourself on the shelf. You say, I'm not worthy to go to that church. I'm not worthy to serve God. You don't know what I've done. I'm not even worthy to pray. You see, Satan uses feelings. And he uses memories to try to get you to condemn yourself. He uses your feelings to get to your mind. That's why Paul wrote in Romans, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Satan is the accuser before God. So God doesn't need you chiming in, reminding him of what you've done. He's checked the list. And all he sees is righteousness. But you haven't seen the righteousness of Jesus. All you look upon is that evil of the old man. God has forgiven you. If he's forgiven you, if he's chosen to forget what you've done, friends, so should you. Forget it. It's in the past. You can't do nothing about it. Move forward in the righteousness of Jesus. Wearing, making use of, appropriating, putting on. The breastplate of righteousness. And when you get run down, and you likely will, when you get emotionally zapped, when you get sleepless, when you get beat down emotionally, Satan's going to come and he's going to try to capitalize on those feelings so that maybe, just maybe, he might fuel the fire and try to convince you, you ain't got no breastplate of righteousness. Don't let the enemy that still lives capitalize on something that's already happened. Move forward in the righteousness of Christ. Friend, you are wearing the breastplate of righteousness. You just have to realize it. So don't be dredging up and don't allow the enemy to dredge up any of that old garbage from your past. But let's move forward in the righteousness of Christ. Don't trust your feelings. When you have those feelings, double check those feelings against the truth. See if those feelings warrant you getting all tore up about. Read the truth. See, feelings come and feelings go, for feelings are deceiving. My trust is in the Word of God. For nothing else is worth believing. Amen? The truth. Don't be led by your feelings. Obey the truth. You see, feelings are subject to moods. 
I don't know about you, but when I get in a bad mood, I start getting bad feelings. How about you? Feelings are also uh, subject to other things like chemical changes. I'm not even going to go there. Feelings are also subject to outside influences in your life. Somebody ignores you, doesn't speak to you. Now all of a sudden you feel abandoned. You feel like somebody's turned their back on you. Is that the truth? They may not have even seen you. And yet you get all tore up and allow your feelings to dominate your life. Even climate. I remember Miss Mary and I were talking about the climate affecting our feelings. Man, when it starts raining for two and three days at the time, man, I start getting a little depressed. I need some sunshine. Even the climate affects my feelings. So what am I to do about that? I just bring my feelings and I bring all those memories and y'all, I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them. But I bring those feelings and I bring those memories and I bring them to the Lord and I just leave them there. I can't do anything about them anyway. So I just leave them there. And I just let him take care of them. Because he's promised that he will bury them in the deepest sea. He will cast them as far as the east is from the west. Or east is from the west. See, Satan wants you to walk in condemnation. Why? Because if you're walking in condemnation, then you won't do anything of eternal value for God. You'll be ineffective. And if Satan can't win this war and get the victory, then maybe he can hold you from being effective. Maybe he can keep your mouth shut about this Jesus fella so that there won't be another person who gets saved. See, he hates God that much, and he hates the people that God loves that much. And so if he can... Capitalize on that by getting you to walk in condemnation. Then he'll do it. So let God remind you, friend, that your sins are under the blood. They're under the blood of Jesus. And you are wearing a garment of righteousness that he gave you. And if he gave you that garment of righteousness, why would you take it off? No. Make use of it. Appropriate it. Put it on afresh. Remind yourself that you have this breastplate of righteousness. Not only does Satan accuse us and do we accuse ourselves, but you know what? Others accuse us. Anybody been there before? Mm-hmm. Anybody who serves God is going to be falsely accused. That's my promise to you. I'm sorry. If you came in to this Christian walk with a, a different view that you weren't going to be falsely accused, I'm sorry, because you're going to be. If you serve God, you're going to be falsely accused. Paul said that many false charges were made against him. How in the world could he stand it? He said in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, I stand it by walking in the word of truth, by walking in the power of God, and by walking, get this, in the armor of righteousness. 
If somebody else accuses me, I'm going to say, you can say what you want to say, but I've got on this garment of righteousness, and you don't know what you're talking about. Paul knew the truth, and he stood in that righteousness. Think about Jesus. Jesus was called everything in the book, and yet he stood in his own righteousness. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says, Paul said, what then shall we say about these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. If the creator of the universe is for me, who can be against me? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friend, Satan accuses us. We accuse ourselves and others will accuse you. But finally, circumstances also accuse us. See, sometimes we Christians get a case of the if-onlys. You ever had a case of the if-onlys? If only I had lived a different life back when I was walking in the world. If only I could do that, then what's happening today would be different. If only I hadn't done this, why then I would be in a different place today. If only I was a better Christian, then God wouldn't be punishing me today. But let me tell you something. The last thing a sufferer needs is guilt. That's the last thing you need is guilt. Could it be that God chose you to endure those things so that you might have this lofty privilege of suffering? Bill's lost his mind, hadn't he? There ain't nothing about suffering that's a privilege, amen? But God may have chose you to endure that so that you might be where you are today. Have you ever asked God to remove your circumstances and he said no? Y'all better should be shaking your heads. I look out here and I see everybody's circumstance and they prayed, oh, I pray that I would heal, get healed today. Months later, they're still going through the same thing. Still going through the challenges. Their loved one is still lost. Some of them, some of you praying for 20 years. But it hadn't happened yet. Why would God do that to you? Doesn't God love you? Doesn't God want the best for you? Friend, it's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he's punishing you for something you've done. It may not be because of you at all. It's not because some kind of negative about you. It's about a positive about him. Listen carefully. He's got something planned. God's got something up his sleeve for that suffering you're going through or for that challenge you've already gone through. He's got something up his sleeve. God's got this. God's got this. So friend, one of the good things about looking back into the past is we can look back and we can do some self-examination and we can ask ourselves this question. When when did I put on the breastplate of righteousness? When did I come to Christ on his terms 
asking forgiveness of my sins, accepting his death on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, and place my faith in his finished work. When did I do that? When did I receive this breastplate of righteousness? Another question you can ask is, is it still on? Sometimes we got it on, but we walk, we walk like it, it ain't on there. Are you making use of the breastplate of righteousness to defeat your enemy who still lives? Friend, don't let guilt beat you down. Don't let the junk in your past beat you down. Don't let the devil work in your mind about the past. And don't let him use your feelings about present sins. Just rest in the fact that you are protected by the righteousness of the Son of God. The righteousness of Jesus Christ himself, and you are protected in front, and you are protected in behind. You're protected. So my question to you is, are you able to rest in that fact? Or do you stew over those old sins and those old mistakes all the time to the point where it hinders you from doing anything of eternal value? Today, you can walk out of this place knowing that your sins are forgiven, that your home is heaven, and that you have power over the enemy of God and the enemy of your soul. Today, you can walk out of here with the absolute assurance that all God sees about you is the righteousness of his son. But the choice is yours. Has there been a point where you put it on? Where you accepted Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life? Is it still on? Are you walking in that? Are you making use of that? There might be others that just need to come to this altar here. And lay down some of that guilt. Some of you may need to come and lay down some of that junk and leave it here. But once again, that's your choice. I say, put on the breastplate of righteousness and walk in that. Let me pray for you. Father God, as many people as are in this building this morning, there are that many needs as well. And Lord, our humble prayer is today that if there is even one who has never put on the breastplate of righteousness that you provide through your son Jesus Christ, that they would walk out of here armored up covered front and back from the attacks of the enemy's darts of guilt. 
Father, for that believer who's got the breastplate of righteousness on, he or she just doesn't realize it and they don't act like it. Maybe they need to come and lay down some of that guilt here for you to take charge of. And then start walking in the breastplate of righteousness that you gave us. Lord, whatever decision needs to be made, this is your invitation time. This is your decision time. All we ask is that you speak in that still, soft whisper that only you have. That whisper that reaches the very spirit of men and women. And Lord, you enable them to have the courage and faith to come and receive what you have so graciously offered. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your breastplate of righteousness, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, who provided it. And we pray this all in his holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand.